This is the Happy Rant Sports Podcast, in which Ted Cluck and Barnabas Piper rant about old sports, new sports, sports books, sports movies, and anything else related to sports that they feel like. Enjoy. Hey, welcome to the Happy Rant Sports Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined as always in studio by my good friend and partner in sports radio, Barnabas Piper. Uh, Pipe, your metro area, Nashville, the greater Nashville area, just hosted the NFL draft, uh, which from the looks of it on TV looked like maybe the most miserable place on earth to be for the last few days um, in that it was just a ton of general public kind of clogging one street, standing around waiting for picks to be announced. Like for the life of me, I don't know why anybody would go to this live. Do you do you understand that mentality, the, the, I, the thing that would make somebody do that? I, yes, like from a, from a like I mean in the same way that I'm like yeah I kind of understand why people do base jumping or something like yeah I, I get yeah, it yeah. but also yeah, yeah. Wa- that's insane. Um, yeah. This is like base jumping without any of the thrills and just as much chance of dying. So it's, it's like waiting in line to base jump with a hundred thousand other people, the hundred thousand sweating people jumping. in the rain, wearing jerseys and <laughs> face paint, and being three quarters drunk at you know at all hours of the day. That's right, man. That's right. Yeah, it looked it looked legit miserable to me. And and I don't know about you, but and I don't know whose feed you were watching. I was watching the ESPN feed. And on the first night of the draft, it, it was fascinating because they whatever metro area the draft is in, they try to like co-opt whatever the cliches of that area are. They try to fold all of that oh, into the production. I was so, I mean, so I'm I'm a Nashville resident. I'm not a Nashville yeah. native, but I've been here for five and a half years. I feel like this is this area is my home now. Uh yeah. their representation of Nashville was was all of the worst aspects of this city and none of the parts that make it a cool place to live. Dude it was so I want you to talk about what some of those were because I noticed that too and I I, I wanted to get your take on these things. Well, I mean, it was it was basically a montage of bro country, and yep. like, uh, and then like you know the the bachelorette party crowd, and that like yeah. that was it. And and every shot they took. So this Nashville has a nice scenic downtown on a river, and uh, so there was shots of that, and then like Lower Broadway, which is essentially sort of like our version of the Vegas Strip, except that it's, yeah, all it, the goofy like tourist bars and yeah, like, it's, except it's all know, like honky tonks and stuff like that. And so mm-hmm. like like any city, you know, you have your your tourist staples and then where people live and kind of navigate their lives is elsewhere. But but it was all that. So it's like and it's a bunch of dudes with names like Corbin Easton and Thomas Rhett and these other things. I'm like, those aren't even <laughs> real names. Like you just you No, just, they're not. You threw together like a uh, a baseball Dude, bat brand. Page, you just yeah, you mash them together. Yeah, and right? and like you t- you put a last name as a first name, and then they yep. all sing the same crappy songs. And so that's the worst. <laughs> it's like the worst lowest common denominator Nashville thing, <clears throat> and that's what ESPN yeah. took and just splattered all over the place. Which, you know, I'm not offended to the point of like it's not like a moral offense. It's just like a big fat eye roll. Dude, so I have, a, I have a question about that, and I agree with the big fat eye roll. Like my my most cringy thing about night one of the NFL draft. So imagine you've got this huge stage, you've got like twelve hundred video screens, all like flashing up different things. I mean, it, it was an assault on the senses. Right. It was, and, and it was all enormous. The- Apparently, it was the largest sort of freestanding stage area ever 
built or at least ever done in Tennessee or something like that. I mean, it was it was yeah, monstrous. Crazy. And so you had on top of that, you had all the usual ESPN talking heads trying to blather, you know, constantly for X number of hours. And then on top of that, on the stage, you've got a bunch of old dorks with instruments like playing playing music, playing random snippets of like journey songs each time a guy would get picked. So it'd be like uh, with the second overall pick in the 2019 NFL draft, the New York Jets select Quinnen Williams, defensive tackle, Alabama. And then so Williams would take that walk down the hallway. He'd come out. He'd do the, you know, the, the, the chest pound, the fist bump with uh, Roger Goodell or whatever. And all the while, the talking heads are trying to bloviate. The old dorks are trying to play like journey music, and it was just the most aggravating thing imaginable. Such that they they did away with it, like I don't know, halfway through or on the, by the second day, it was gone. Thank God. But um, was that just an attempt to like lean into the whole music heritage of Nashville? Yeah, well, I mean, and the thing is, Broadway. The, the coolest thing about Broadway is that every single place has live music all the time. I mean, it is just yeah. you walk down the street and you just hear bands coming from all of these different bars and restaurants and stuff i mean in nashville's it's the music city and and it's it is it is constant that live music is going on so i think it was that but they got like a wedding cover band they wasn't even yeah it was a bunch of it it looked like a worship band from like an uncool nashville megachurch It, it was just a bunch of like 50 year old dudes with like tucked in t shirts and uh but yeah it looked really now, sad now me. here's the thing my i don't I'm, my guess is if I went to some of my musician friends and were like, do you know any of those guys? They would go, yeah, those are some of the best session musicians in Nashville. That's my guess. So these oh, I'm are, sure. I'm sure these are great. probably guys who are lifers in the industry and have you know played on records that all of us have heard of. Uh, Dude, my thought was maybe it's an actual band. Like I know so little about music. That could have been like – I don't know, Boston or Kansas or some like actual bands. I don't think it was an actual band because I think they would have like, they would have gotten credit on there. Uh, Yeah. You know, but, but I, my guess is those are all top notch musicians who were basically like, you can retire on this paycheck if you just come play these mediocre songs in this weird context. And it's, I mean, every performing artist has these stories where they're like, yeah, sometimes you take the paycheck to play like the rich kid's bar mitzvah or the corporate event. This is essentially like the worst corporate gig ever for a musician, but I bet they got paid buco bucks. I bet they did too. And you know what? God bless them. I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind doing that kind of gig. Whatever the podcasting equivalent is of that sort of sellout, uh, I'm in for that. Let's keep it on the production side, Piper. Uh, who's your favorite draft talking head? So like, there, there's all these guys blathering pretty much for three days straight about the picks. Who's your favorite one of those guys? So I was watching ESPN's feed because it's the one I could get easily. I didn't have access to NFL Network. Um, and the only nice thing I can say about ESPN's feed yeah. is that uh, – is it Riddick? Lewis Riddick? Is that his name? Yeah. Yeah, he used he, to play in the league, used to be a scout. Yeah, he talks enough and says enough things that Mel Kuyper more or less got shut out, which was great because Mel Kuyper's the worst. Interesting. In, in my opinion. I don't like but Riddick, we've got like, but I like him we, better we, than Kuyper. We've got disagreement here, rare disagreement on the podcast oh, in well, that I love Mel Kuyper. Do you um, like Mel Kuyper for nostalgia or because you ooh. like Mel Kuyper? Dude, that's tough. That's a tough follow-up. I think I do love him for nostalgia, um, but I think I also actually like him for Mel Kuyper. I just like – I like his cadence. I like his way of speaking. Like if, if Kuyper was a 
a pastor whose theology I, I agreed with, I would want him to like officiate my kids' weddings. Um, I, I, I just there's something comforting and soothing about the patter uh, of of the Mel Kiper delivery. And it is I, patter I just, because he'll he'll get asked a question and he'll answer it about two thirds, and then yeah. just sort of like stream of consciousness into observations about three other prospects and then about the position groups in the draft. And then here's some late round sleepers. And you're like, wait, I thought we were talking about this guy's footwork. <laughs> what happened? And, uh, Dude, yeah. and, and so he, that's, he loses me with that because he just, it, his, his, it's like a malfunctioning high powered computer <laughs> listening to him exactly. talk that just like starts spitting out information. You're like, that's all, that's more, that's not what I asked for. That's more than what Dude, I asked and, for. And in the, in the guy's defense, he's he's forced to produce like so many words on this, uh, like it's it's almost astonishing. At what point do you think do you think Mel Kiper has ever started to hate his life? Like you talk about a guy with a very specialized skill set. Like Mel Kiper couldn't quit his job and go do anything else at this point. Like he's locked into this. But I wonder if in like 2011 he just got super sick of the NFL draft, and and I wonder if he's just mailing it in at this point. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, sometimes it does. I would say he's mailing it in from a performance standpoint. Like his writing is worse than it used to be, I think. And I think his yeah. television performance is worse than it used to be. His his information gathering is not. It's just his – he no longer is trying to put out good quality pieces. He's just like, here's a half-baked scouting report on this stuff. Yeah, it, but but I think he's still collecting the information as effectively as possible. I mean, he probably has a thousand sources. I doubt he's doing all the legwork himself. But yeah, he's a. I don't know. I I don't like him on TV. I think he used to be better. My favorite talking head is Daniel Jeremiah, but I didn't get to watch it. Oh yeah, he's good. He's uh, and he took over. He took over for, at the NFL Network for what I think was what Mike Mayock used to do because Mayock is now the GM of the Raiders. And so yeah. he, was, he was more the lead guy there, and I wish I could have watched because I think he's, he's a great combination of sort of smooth commentator but also yeah. really insightful scout. He's, he's a very positive person, but he's not mm-hmm. afraid to, to, to very clearly rank players and talk about players' weaknesses. So he doesn't do the ESPN thing where you come away from ESPN feeling like every player is going to make 11 Pro Bowlers or Pro Bowls. Dude, right. Like ESPN does their draft grades, and like the lowest grade they give out for any team is an A-. You know, it's like, yeah, talk it's about, like real college at this point. Yeah, it is you know, great inflation because they know that somebody's going to call and complain. Otherwise, like mommy, mommy of an NFL player is going to call and complain. Whereas, you know, Jeremiah's willing to say, like, here are his strengths, here are his weaknesses, he would be a solid, you know, fourth-round pick, not like he's got, you know, he's got stardom in his future kind of thing. Dude, so speaking of a guy who would be a solid fourth-round pick but who actually went sixth overall to the Giants, let's talk about Daniel Jones. Yes. Uh, I want to get your Daniel Jones takes, and I want to talk about the, the the screwiness of the QB market in general because I think this this draft, this is one that we're going to look back on we're going we're gonna to look back on this draft in the same way that we look at the EJ Manuel, Christian Ponder, like quarterback drafts of a few years ago and go like, how in the world did these guys get taken where they, where they went? So Daniel Jones goes six to the Giants quarterback out of Duke. Uh, respond to that Barnabas Piper. Uh, I laughed out loud when that pick was made because <laughs> yeah. I was like, Oh, they want to replace Eli Manning with a worse version of Eli Manning. This is, this exactly. is amazing. Um, yes. and 
So the the arguments I have heard, the only it's it is logically coherent and also dead wrong for this pick, which is you know people are like oh they should have drafted him later, and they're like but since he's the quarterback, if you want to take him, you just take him to make sure you get him. And I'm like yeah, but dude, that logic is so flawed. It, it it's it's only true in the sense of like if this is a zero sum game, like you take him now, you take him later, that kind of thing. Yeah. But yeah. when you st- take a step back and look at team building. You go, you know what would have made more sense? Drafting, I don't know, any but Josh Allen, the guy who went right. who went next. Right. And uh, I think he went next to Jacksonville. And yep. He went seven to Jacksonville. Yeah, so drafting him and then trading your second-round pick to Arizona for Josh Rosen, who is under contract for peanuts for three more years because they already paid his signing bonus, and he was a top-ten pick last year, and – is better than all the quarterbacks in this year's draft, I think. Maybe with the exception Dude, totally of Kyler agree. Murray, but he's a he's a wild card. Dude, seriously, why why wouldn't they do that? Unless you really hate Josh Rosen. And I know there are people who really do hate him, like personality-wise. Like there's a there's a real sort of anti-Josh Rosen. And, and I think thing. I think New York made the mistake this year. So they they you know they got rid of Odell Beckham, they got rid of you know a couple different people. Um, and then Dave Gettleman, their GM, who, as far as I can tell, is j- just abysmal at his job, um, <laughs> was basically like, we used to have a locker room culture problem, and now we don't. Basically saying we we traded away all these problems. So, you know, they, they seem to be doing the thing where they're trying to take character guys, yeah. which is, that's a great thing to have, as long as they can play football. Well, dude, maybe they are actually trying to turn it into the Duke football program in that like they'll go three and nine in the ACC, but they'll have a bunch of really smart high character guys. Um, so maybe, maybe this is the Dave Gettleman model and uh, we're just now figuring this out. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I just, it, what, what is, what is Daniel Jones? I can't even remember his name. He's got a generic name. He's from a terrible football program and he went to a terrible yeah. football program. It, just everything about this is bad. What, Dude, what you is know his who's a ceiling? Genius? Uh, I think his ceiling is, dude. Honestly, like, and 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 this is high ceiling, right? The best he will ever do is be Kirk Cousins. I was going to say um, Andy Dalton, but I think Dalton's better than Cousins. <laughs> Dalton is better than Kirk Cousins. So, so yeah, the best he could ever do is to be Kirk Cousins. And honestly, I don't think he reaches that. I really, really don't. Um, yeah, I even Andy Dalton though is capable of these like kind of sensational little bursts, you know? So, like, you, you do get you, – you, you get the occasional great game yeah, from Andy when Dalton. When Dalton has a strong offensive roster around him, he plays yeah. up, like, to the point of being a, a legitimate Pro Bowl-level performer. When he, he doesn't lift the performance of his peers, which is kind of like Cousins, except Dalton's more consistent in that. Now, to Cousins' credit, he was a third-round pick, and the fact that he's Dude, made right. a starting that's career out of this like. is – that's exceptional. Uh, Dalton, I think, was a second round pick. Again, Dude, the smartest guy pretty in this entire NFL draft process is Daniel Jones's agent. Like this guy is a genius. I would, if I was Nike or like anyone, I would hire this guy because they basically took, you know, okay, the guy's six four. He's got a decent looking face. He has a boring white guy name. He looks the part of an NFL quarterback. And what's more, he like apprenticed under David Cutcliffe who like apprenticed the Mannings this was it like that was the sales pitch and doggone it it got him picked sixth overall in the NFL draft like the, the, 
don't know who his agent is, but the guy's a genius. Like it was a really, really good PR sales kind of job. And, um, you know, tip of the cap to that guy. But who was, uh, who I, was I don't the, like the last pick. good NFL quarterback who was not a good college quarterback? Okay, so good NFL quarterbacks that weren't good college quarterbacks. I mean, so there are guys like there are guys like uh, I mean Tom Brady is a good example who was a solid college quarterback, but like he was yeah. solid. Kirk Cousins, solid college quarterback, not great. Um, yeah. yeah, Dalton, same thing. But yeah. all of those guys like they performed in real conferences against real competition, and they did well. Daniel Jones is not yeah. good. Right? Yeah, he didn't. He didn't really elevate the Duke program. You know, it's like you want to see I, for me, like you want to see a guy who's played in some big games. Duke never played in a big game. They have no rivals like, like it's it's just, you know, it, it's football sort of that happens in the margins. Right. It's not a it's yeah. not a program that you, you know, that you, I you mean, see in, they're big in a, games. They're in a good conference or at least a power conference. Yeah. You know, they play against yeah. some good teams, but they don't do anything yep. against the good teams. Exactly. Okay, so I'm, I'm still thinking through your question. Um, bad college quarterbacks who became good NFL quarterbacks. Okay, so the the Bills are gambling on this with Josh Allen, um, who is yes. a, a nondescript college quarterback in a nondescript conference, never played in a big game, but just has these freakish miserable uh, miserables. Um, even Daniel Jones lacks that, though. Like, I don't think Daniel Jones like you know lit the world on fire at his combine or whatever. Um, so, yeah, even that. No, like, you're Josh, really yeah, selling. Josh Allen has two things going for him. <clears throat> he has one of the best arms in the NFL in terms of just sheer throwing power ability. That's right. Yeah. And he's a really good athlete. You know, he, right. he's big, he, he was he's on, strong. He was on, like, Michael Vick rushing pace the second half of last year. Just yep. athletic, fast. I mean, think, like, he's like Cam Newton but less accurate, sort of. Uh, exactly. No, I think he's going to be a bad NFL quarterback because you can't play NFL quarterback if you're not accurate. But yeah. but Daniel Jones, the only thing he has in common with Josh Allen is that they're tall. They're both 6'5". Yeah. That's it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, to your question, I mean, what we're looking for are guys who who got drafted on traits, right? Um, but I, I'm kind of mentally running down all the starters in the league. They were all good in college. Um even Matt Ryan, you know, kind of he played at Boston College, you know, wasn't in a lot of huge games, but he still had, I think, good numbers in college, and he had and they, great I think measurables. They were like a nine-win team most of the time, which for Boston yeah, like College he elevated in those days was pretty solid. Absolutely, he elevated the program. Um, gosh, man, I mean, Joe, yeah, dr- Joe Flacco played at where was it? Like Delaware or Delaware, something like that. And I, think but I think he, he was, was great at Delaware. Like I think he jumped off the like he jumped off the screen at Delaware. Kind of thing. Yeah, kind um, of like Carson Wentz. I mean, Wentz is yeah. He went, you know, he went number one overall. So that's a little different thing. But uh, won a national championship in college. I mean, Carson Wentz burned one double A to the ground. What about Garoppolo? Uh, Although, granted, we don't. We first of all, we don't know if Garoppolo is a good professional quarterback yet. We know that he's a good-looking professional quarterback, and that's about it. Where did he play? Was it Eastern Illinois? Yeah, it was some small school. I think it was Eastern um, Illinois because I think it's the same school that Tony Romo went to. Yeah, ostensibly he played well there. Although I don't know, um, I was who's the who's the other free agent? the the big the big tall New England quarterback who had one great season when Brady was hurt and then like dined out on that for the rest of a decade. Mac, like, uh, yeah, 
Not it's Matt, Matt something. No. Um, not Matt Schaub. No. Uh, Matt Castle. Dude, how forget Matt Castle. Well, when you okay, when you're a white dude named Matt, you're like one of eleven NFL quarterbacks to be mediocre recently. So, dude. So the deal with Matt Castle was he was a backup in college. He got drafted. Was he at USC? He was at USC, and I think he backed up Carson Palmer. Was it Palmer and he got or, or Matt Leinart? It might have been Matt Leinart. He got drafted solely on measurables. Yeah. Right. So big guy, big arm, looked the part. You know, threw it out of the gym at his pro day or whatever, and they drafted him. And he had one good, he had one great pro season. You know, because of the system and because of Belichick, and then you know has continued being on rosters kind of ever since that. But um, but yeah, man, there's really no paradigm for this Daniel Jones thing working out, uh, which is what makes I, it I so fast. I think the closest comparison, which is not great for the Giants, is Jay Cutler. Yeah, there you go. Big big um, conference, a bad, a, a smart school in a, smart big, school conference in a big conference that always performs badly at football, and you get drafted on pro, like essentially being projectable. The difference is that Jay Cutler was actually projectable. He's a he was a head case and and not a great quarterback. Freaky athlete though, and a huge arm. And man, could he throw the ball? Throw the and, heck out of the ball. And. Uh, and and when he was on, he was terrifying. Yeah, at, to the absolutely. opposition. And Daniel Jones has never been terrifying to anybody except maybe Giants fans. Exactly, exactly, dude. What do you think of Dwayne Haskins while we're on this quarterback class? Uh, see, Dwayne Haskins seems like one of those guys. So he he's kind of the opposite of everything we've just said. Where he the, the knock on him is that he only he was only really successful for one year. Because uh, I mean, I think he only started for one year. But he was yeah. uber successful, like 50 touchdowns, really accurate. He's yeah. got, the, got the physical traits. He strikes me as a guy who, if he's, if he's put in a, in, the, in a good system, if he's coached well, will yeah. be a solid NFL starter. Like, think Joe Flacco. Like, he, could, he yeah. could be a Flacco-esque quarterback in terms of the right team around him, winning team, wrong team around him, not good. I mean, or, or Andy Dalton. He's just kind of one of those He's just one of those yeah. guys, I think. He'll be a middling starter. Yeah. So if you're the Eagles and you're in the and you're in the NFC East, I don't think you're really sweating anybody in that division, quarterback wise. So you're you're in a nice spot if no, you're I mean, Philadelphia. The, the, you have- the Cowboys with Dak Prescott and that offense are probably the other best because Prescott's yeah. Prescott can make plays and I don't see any yeah. other playmaking quarterbacks in that division. Exactly. Exactly. Dude, let me give you a deep dive, kind of B-side, deep deep cut, sleeper quarterback. And then I'm going to get your favorite sleeper quarterback in the draft, too, Pipe, because I bet you have one. Um, mine is is round six, pick number 178 from Washington State, Gardner Minshew to Jacksonville. Uh, I love this guy, man. I watched so much Washington State last year because they were always like the late, late game on ESPN. And they were running um, the air raid, right? They're running the air raid. Mike Leach, I just enjoy watching his offenses. They're a fun team to watch. And, uh, dude, Minshew was great. He reminded me of, like, a young, healthy Jim McMahon. Like, all kinds of swagger. Teammates loved him. Really physical when he needed to be. Undersized, but could could, could throw the ball. Ostensibly could make a lot of the throws. Um, I think this is a guy to keep an eye on, man. He's one of these guys that, like, kind of breaks the mold a little bit. Um, so he falls accordingly, but, um, man, I, w- I would rather, if somebody said to me, you've got one drive to win the Super Bowl, 
and you have to either have Gardner Minshew in the game or Daniel Jones or Dwayne Haskins, I would pick Minshew. Like, I, I, w- I would pick him to win me a, a football game. And it's nothing if not about that. So that's my that's my deep dive, man. I'm calling my shot. He may be the best quarterback to come out of this class to me. Uh, who do you like quarterback wise? Deep dive. Um, so I have I have two choices. Uh, well, actually, I'm going to go. Th- I'm going to pick one that I think was a great pick, and two that are total yeah. homer picks. Okay. I think Will Greer in the third round to the Panthers was a great pick for them. Dude, it's good value. They right. needed depth. That's they, where you take a guy like that. They do not like need that. a starting quarterback. There is yep. no cost to this. They do need a backup yep. quarterback. And Will Greer is a guy who, like, he's on that. I think he's one of those guys who's got, he's kind of sneaky athletic, mm-hmm. inconsistent, but has put up big numbers, could be coached up into a successful NFL quarterback. If not, yeah. he could be. Who was there? Was it Derek Anderson was their backup for forever and would periodically yeah. come in and just put up monster numbers, but then yeah, not be right. good enough consistently? I think that's yeah. a great pick for them. I don't know if it's I, I don't agree. know if he's gonna be a great quarterback. And yeah. then the two quick Homer picks. So Clayton Thorson was drafted by the Eagles in the fifth round. Uh yep. I went to church with Clayton Thorson's family in Wheaton, Illinois. And nice. so his his dad was a Wheaton College football player. His older brother was a quarterback as well uh, at Hawaii, or he transferred to okay. Hawaii. And so there's just sort of there's just sort of a fun like Homer connection from a few years ago. Dude, I remember his dad. He played in the World League, the WLAF. Yeah, um, Chad. Yeah, and I I remember him because like being a small college football player myself, I always like kept an eye on small college guys that did well, and uh, and he was one of them. So yeah, Clayton Thorson. He has some nice, like, measurables, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, right? Six, kind of a, six, kind four, of a big athletic kid. Sneaky athletic. Yeah. He, yep. he played for Northwestern. And so, you know, Big Ten quarterbacks, other than Dwayne Haskins, don't put up huge numbers. But he threw for 3,000 yards. I mean, he's – he and he's had some injuries. But, I mean, I, I have no idea if he'll be a good NFL quarterback. But, again, fifth rounder. He's the, he's the kind of guy who backing up Carson Wentz. Like, he's the, he's the right kind of backup for Carson Wentz, I think. I agree. Then, yeah, he's going to – Bring some of that Nate Sudfeld, you know, some of the same kind of skill sets right. to the table. And then uh, the Vikings signed Jake Browning as an undrafted free agent out of Washington. And so Browning's yeah. been a multiple-year starter, put up big numbers. I think they gave him something like a, it was a it was a record-breaking undrafted contract, like potentially a six, six-figure signing. In, Dude, I don't know why Browning fell so far in the draft. Like a year or two ago, he was one of those guys with Will Greer that was yeah. kind of being – touted as like a potential first or second round pick in this class but um do you know why he why he took such a, a tumble in the draft I don't I mean I don't know I don't I don't know if it was character issues I mean if it was character issues they wouldn't have paid him a hundred thousand dollars um I mean because exactly. most undrafted guys get between like 10 and 50 or something like that to sign yeah. and then they yep. get whatever their salary is if they make the team um I, they went through a coaching change there recently, I think, and you know, so they've had some issues at at the just at Washington, I believe. I could be wrong about that, um, or during his career they did. But yeah, that's one where I look at it and I go, again, there's no risk in it. But mm. the Vikings have two more years of Kirk Cousins. Yep. I have a sneaking suspicion they're not going to re up him on another eighty four million dollar contract in two no years. Way. Um, Dude, where's he going to go in two years? That'll be fascinating. Like, yeah. I mean, who knows he'll, what the who knows what the QB market's going to do over the next couple of years? Exactly, but he'll he'll be in that like 
play out the string as a bridge starter kind of stage of his life at that point. You know, he'll be I mean, the he'll be the thing is he'll be he'll still be in his quarterback prime. Like he'll be thirty two or thirty three at that point. So feasibly with another yeah. five five good years of you know, assuming that he'll be somebody's he'll be somebody's Ryan Fitzpatrick at that point though. You know, like he can get you four hundred yards and three touchdowns in a game that doesn't matter. But you know, he'll he'll be somebody's bridge guy. Uh, uh, but yeah, he yeah, it's or or he'll go replace one of the one of the teams. You know, you know who he'll go to New York. The Giants, because <laughs> exactly. they'll realize that Daniel Jones sucks. Um, yep, yep. But so I think Browning is the right kind of move for the Vikings to make. I kind of, you know, I'm glad they didn't draft a QB in this year because they had other needs. But they need yeah. to be sort of just stocking their shelves with developmental guys to see if anything hits, so that when yeah. that time comes, they either have somebody waiting in the wings or they're ready to make a high pick. Pipe, let's stay with the Vikings because I actually loved their draft. Um, I thought they did some really good things this year and, uh, I'd be interested to get your take just top to bottom on what the Vikings did. But, uh, I have a little bit of a, an offensive line man crush on Garrett Bradbury, uh, round, round number one, pick 18 place center at an NC state. Um, I actually found myself watching NC state games on account of how much I liked watching him. And I don't know that he has a, a Quentin Nelson type of impact, but it's going to be close. And that was a huge, like, position group of need for you guys you had to be stoked out of your mind for that pick were you i was you know it's very hard to get stoked out of your mind for an interior lineman but i was i was just completely satisfied so i wasn't like cheering jumping around but when you get the guy you want who is also the guy you need at the middle of the first round and you have to give up no there's no trading up it was i was like this is this is this hits the spot because yeah. they are such a they were such a mess on the offensive line and so uh-huh. and and their center this this the, this last year Pat Elfline has a reputation mm-hmm. as probably being a better guard than center yeah. um and with the system they're running now which is a lot of it's it's Gary Kubiak's offensive line system so there's a lot of zone blocking and a lot of moving a lot of stretch plays they need yep. mobile guys and Elfline is that so yeah. it, I think this is a huge upgrade for him. And yeah, I was really just content and satisfied with it. I wasn't excited, but I was like, awesome. Yeah. This is exactly yeah. what they needed. Dude, actually really staying on the offensive line. I love the guard that you guys got out of Oklahoma. Um, round four, Drew Samia. Okay, tell uh, me I think about him. The only thing I know about him is he played a little bit of tackle, and then he had like 35 yeah. straight starts at guard, which when you're starting for three straight years, really four straight years at Oklahoma, you, you clearly must be decent. Dude, same a deal. Lot a lot of uh, same deal as Bradbury in terms of, you know, I think at Oklahoma they asked the offensive line to do a lot of movement. So like a lot of movement, um, he'll which means he'll work well in the in the zone kind of stretch scheme where you've got to like kind of get on your on your horse every play and, and move. Uh, he's going to be good there. I think he was a really good run blocker. Um, you know, I think he pairs really well with with Bradbury. And then, like you said, Elfline kicks the guard. So ostensibly, you got your center and your two guards now taken care of. I don't know where that leaves you guys at tackle. Where does that? Where who's who's there still? So they still have Riley Reef at uh, okay. at one tackle spot, and yeah. he's mediocre. But he's yeah. not signed to a massive contract. He's got one or two right. years left. So my guess is over the next year or two, they'll need to look to replace him. And then last year, they drafted Brian O'Neill in the second round, who's sort of a developmental right tackle who came yeah. on really strong at the end of the year. He was pretty bad at yeah. the beginning of the year and then got better. And so presumably 
as tackles do. Rookie tackles tend to not be very good, but they get better pretty pretty fast. So I expect him to be pretty solid. Um, and then they signed Josh uh, Klein, I think his name is, as a okay. guard in the offseason, which I'm just glad they have competition on the interior now instead of yeah. like, well, these are our starters and these are our utter garbage backups. Right. These are just guys who are here by default because we had to have bodies. Right. Um, absolutely. Piper, anything else about the Vikings draft that stands out? There's one thing that stands out to me that, that I'm excited about. So there was, um, there was one pick I really, really liked that was kind yeah. of that was surprising. And then one pick I kind of scratched my head at. So the pick yeah, I really, really perfect. liked was Irv Smith Jr. in the second round, the tight end Dude, out of Alabama. Great value right there. Yeah, a lot of people had him going in the first round. You guys got him at 50. Really nice value. One just... I, I really like Kyle Rudolph, their longtime mm-hmm. tight end, but he is of the kind of the old school tight end model. You know, he's tall, he's yeah. slow, you throw it up to him when you need eight yards, decent red zone yep. target, but he's just he's not dynamic and he kind of limits what the offense can do. So to get a yep. guy who's who's athletic and can and, and can do different things on offense, I think will be really good for them and hopefully really good for both cousins and the wide receivers. Um Indeed. the pick that made me scratch my head was Madison, Alexander Madison in the third round, the running back from Boise. Mm -hmm. I mean, he might be good, but that just seems like a... A little reachy. Yeah, it just seems like they they had... They definitely needed running back depth, but I felt like that was... There were better guys still. It seemed like there were possibly better guys, Mm -hmm. or or they could have picked up somebody equivalent in maybe the fifth round or something like that. That one... So they, they must... Something about their scouting of him must have showed them something about his his athleticism, his potential, his pass yeah. blocking. I don't know what, but that just seemed, that was a bit of a head scratcher to me. Dude, I was pumped that you guys picked a long snapper, seventh round, pick number two fifty. Um, you guys got a long snapper out of Air Force, so uh, first Air good Force to see player the- drafted in like twenty years or something. <laughs> exactly, good to see the long snappers represented. Uh, I was excited about that one. So you had to be excited too, Pipe, about how badly the rest of the division drafted. Uh, in that the Bears didn't really have picks, right. so they were kind of off the table. The Bears, um, the Bears De- drafted Mitch Trubisky again this year. <laughs> exactly. Detroit did Detroit things, which, to be fair to the Bears too, they also drafted Khalil Mack this year, which yes, uh, I fair. think I think any of us would do if given the the opportunity. Right. Um, Detroit takes yet another tight end in the top ten in T.J. Hawkinson, who could be really dynamic, but who could also get them. You know, thirty-five catches and so. Here's and the thing about yards. tight ends that are dynamic, quote unquote. Yeah, they're no tight end is more dynamic than their coaches. Yeah, you true. have to have a coach who knows how to use you to be a good tight end. Yeah, which is why. Well, and, and oh, go ahead. Benefit of the doubt, wise. Hopefully, Patricia coming out of that New England pedigree with, um, you know, the creative stuff that they were doing with with Gronk and Aaron Hernandez and and the other kind of matchup nightmare tight end guys they've had over the years. Yeah, but he was also um, their defensive coordinator. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, I mean, hopefully, maybe maybe some of that offensive uh, ethos bled over into Matt Patricia at some point, but uh, but I do have my doubts. Yeah, I uh, when they when they drafted Hawkinson, I, I mean, first of all, I'm never worried about the Lions, and I haven't been since Barry Sanders retired. Um, nor should you be. But but. Uh, yeah, that pick was kind of like, I mean, maybe he's fine, but that's not what they need. They needed any, yeah. a lot of other things. The The Packers made me just positively giddy with their first couple picks. Oh, fantastic. Rashawn fantastic. Gary in the middle of the first round was yeah. 
just I, I I laughed out loud and I clapped when they did that. I cheered more for their pick than the Vikings pick because dude, he may be he may be more like guaranteed to be a bust than Daniel Jones even. That 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 may have even been a worse pick. Like just no production there. Um, there's a guy drafted like entirely on his combine and his measurables. Um, didn't produce. That that's a great pick if you hate the Packers. I think he's drafted on his high school recruiting rank. Yeah, he was a five-star he guy. Was, he was the number one recruit in the country four yep. years ago. So exactly. as, as a Vikings fan, we have some experience drafting you know, elite athletes and turning them into productive players. But you know when the Vikings do it? The fourth Later. round, the fifth yep. round, the sixth round, and yep. then they sign them to moderate contracts. They don't use the 12th overall pick on them or whatever exactly. he was at. Exactly. Dude, I think the Packers made some sneaky good picks later on, but I don't know if they're they're going to be enough to sort of move the, the needle for them. I like Sternberger, the tight end out of Texas A&M. I liked uh, the center out of Mississippi State, Elgin Jenkins, that they got later on. But but yeah, they really uh, they really dropped the ball with um, with that Rashawn Gary pick for sure. Um, Pipe, let's talk about uh, the Patriots. I think the Patriots had a phenomenal draft. Um, I know that you probably hate the Patriots. Do you? No, Have we talked about we this? talked about this. Oh, I okay. I'm I don't. Your affection for them runs deeper than mine, but I am not yeah. a hater at all. I I as long as Belichick is there, I am fascinated by them because they're just yeah. the wizards of the NFL. He he and like Greg Popovich in the NBA are kind of the same person in my mind in that they just keep breaking the rules of how success is supposed to happen. And it works, and it works, and it works, and it's dude. It's funny, remarkable. I, I just always assume that Christians hate the Patriots because I've run into a lot of like in church circles, almost nobody likes them, and you run into the whole like, well, they're cheaters, and and you know Belichick is the worst. Like you well, get a lot of that. I don't buy that because everybody in the NFL cheats. It's just absolutely it's just that the Patriots got caught. Dude, I think they had a phenomenal draft from a value standpoint, and also from a guys fitting what they like to do standpoint. Uh, let's start with Nikhil Harry. First round, pick number 32. Uh, you talk about a guy with a lot of attributes, um, kind of an Alshon Jeffrey type in college, uh, a big physical um, yoked up guy who boxes out, who gets those red zone kind of catches. Um, they, they've, it's been a long time since they've, they've had a real like grown up at wide receiver. You know, they've had a bunch of like midgety slot guys that have, that have done work. Um, you know, the running backs have been really involved in the past game of late, but yeah, they haven't I had a, the Q- they haven't had a full size wide receiver be successful since Randy Moss. Dude, seriously. So I think Nikhil Harry, he's not gonna be Randy Moss, obviously, but he gives them like a real adult to use out wide, which is something they haven't had in does the it, longest time. Does it make you nervous that their history of drafting wide receivers is it's it's as it's almost as bad as the Lions history of drafting wide receivers? Dude, it's bad. It really is bad. Going all the way back to like, you know, Chad Jackson and, you know, a bunch of these guys that they've that they've tried over the years. Um, it does make me nervous. And I, I guess this has the potential to go south in the same way. Um, I mean, but it's, I, but I guess it's a it's a low cost thing, relatively speaking, because he's, yeah, I mean, he's basically yeah. he's basically a, a second round pick. I mean, he gets a guaranteed yeah. contract. but He's bottom of the first. And so if it doesn't work out, yeah. it doesn't work out. But like, yeah, they just. I hope it works out for them, but also I hope it does too. Also, I hope I, I just think it'll make like for a fun option in their offense. Yeah. You know, their offense has been so, 
you know, tied to these, you know, these short little whip routes and, and slot receivers just running to open space. It'd, it'd be fun to see them have a matchup guy again, especially with Gronk retiring. You know, they're, they're going to be hard pressed to, you know, to get the kind of matchups that they've gotten in the past. I loved uh, Chase Winovich in the third round. I thought it was a huge, huge steal there, a huge value guy. He was actually the productive counterpart to Rashawn Gary's unproductive right. ness yes. on the Michigan defensive line last year. So, um, and Winovich actually like measured really, really well. I mean, you tend to look at these white pass rushers and think like, oh, they're just high effort, high motor guys. But Winovich ran really well. He jumped really well. Um, all the things you look for uh, in terms of like change of direction, like he had those those measurables. So I think and to get him at New England at three, perpetually thrives with these sort of weirdo hybrid pass rushers who are like they yep. can play a little bit in space. I mean, going yep. back to um, oh dang it, what's the guy's name who now coaches Teddy Bruschi, Willie McGinnis, well, uh, uh, Mike Vrabel, Vrabel. That's the guy. Yeah, yeah. Like McGinnis and Vrabel. McGinnis was a little bit more of like a, a an outside linebacker pass rusher, but like Vrabel yeah. was kind of all over the place. And they've got they've had the same guys recently. They manufacture pressure really well. They yeah, do. he's and then there was an interview with Winovich after he got picked, where somebody asked him a question about you know kind of how he thought he would fit or whatever, and he was basically like, "I'm still waiting on authorization from the team on what I can say." And I was like, "Oh, <laughs> this is Bill Belichick's son." That's so good, man. Yeah, he actually he actually crafted this man son. out of out of uh, out of like I know Legos it. and then and who knows what else. I mean, this is it's perfect. I love it, dude. Yeah, I'm looking at the Patriots' third round, and I arguably think it could be better than the Raiders' first round. Um, in that they took Chase Winovich. Oh, that's damning with faint um, praise. Yeah, damning with faint praise, exactly. Winovich, Damian Harris, the starting running back at Alabama. Um, the Raiders took his his backup, Josh, Josh Jacobs, in the first round. Um, again, because he tested really well. And again, because there's this... This is a fascinating running back thing to me in the NFL right now, Piper. There's this bias against guys that get too many carries in college. NFL teams are almost like, well, he was the primary guy in college. We don't want him. He's got a lot of wear and tear. It's like, do you think Emmett Smith and Barry Sanders and Walter Payton didn't get a lot of touches in college? That's back when they got 40 carries a game. Say, Barry Sanders you know? would touch the ball legitimately 40-plus times a game because he was the kick returner. He was a punt Absolutely. returner. He carried the ball 34 times, and he caught passes. And same with Dude, him. So this, this logic of I want Josh Jacobs because he never ran the ball in college is, is like asinine to me. It's insane. Well, the, um, the other so the, part of that logic that's stupid is that the other philosophy of running, the, like the other idea is, you get a guy for his rookie contract and then you don't re-sign him. So you basically use him up over four years and then cast him off, which means yeah. it doesn't matter how much tread has already been used on the tires because you're only going right. to use them until they're 26. Exactly, and let someone else deal with the the kind of uh, late, you know, twilight of the career issues that uh, that running backs run into. Um, I love Yadni Kajust. The big tackle out of West Virginia, round three, pick 38. Um, he was a guy that early in the process people were talking about as a potential first-rounder. I just think the the New England offensive line coaching situation immediately makes these tackles better. Yeah, and, what is their offensive line coach's name? I forget. Um, oh, I forget, too. I want to I know it. He's wanna, been there forever, to, and he's turned so yeah. many trash players into good players or players who were great there go elsewhere like Nate Solder, for example, who was a yeah. Pro Bowl level performer with them, went to the yeah. Giants and was immediately subpar. 
Dude, that's where you see it every year in free agency. The the New England tackle that gets like a huge contract and then so good, you know, good luck to whoever signed place. Trent Jones. Oh wait, that was the Raiders. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Dude, talk for a minute about the Raiders. Um, you got a brand new GM. He was a TV guy, Mike Mayock. Um, you've got the ultimate TV guy as a head coach and John Gruden, and a really weird draft, like a really screwy draft from the Raiders. Um, talk about it for a minute, and then I got to sign off. Yeah, but I, I want to get your take on it. I gave a, uh, a hot take last year where I said um, I thought I thought leading up to his first year that uh, that Gruden was sort of playing possum mm-hmm. um, and he would actually be good. Well, that was completely and utterly false. I don't think he knows what he's doing. And this yeah. draft has all the marks of him. Like I don't, I don't <laughs> yeah. know what I, I. Mayock has has a long history of being a good analyst and, and sort of pegging players well. This draft does yeah. not show that at all. They they overdrafted Cleveland Farrell. They overdrafted Josh Jacobs. You yep. know, and then you get into the mid and late rounds, and it's kind of like I don't. I mean, I'd, I'd have to go round by round, but I, my guess is they they missed on other guys who were available who were as good or better. Like taking Hunter Renfro in the fifth, the guy the guy's like a five foot nine white dude who ran a four eight forty. I ran a four <laughs> yeah. nine in high school, so yeah, uh, yeah, that's, exactly. <laughs> that's not great. He's not the most athletic dude. I don't yeah. know. I just I don't I, I don't get it. It's another one where I feel like they draft guys because because uh, Gruden's like I just like him. I just I like his yeah. attitude. He's he's got grit or something like some nonsense like that. Instead of taking the best pass rusher in the draft who was available when they took Farrell. And yeah, that you was know, strange. any number of like an offensive lineman at, at pick twenty four or pick twenty seven. I don't know. They, Dude, you know what I love? So weird. I love their fourth round pick, Max Crosby, out of Eastern Michigan. He's an edge guy. I watched a lot of Eastern Michigan last year because we used to go to their games when we lived up north because their games were basically free and you could sit on the first row and uh, it was a lot of fun. I actually think Max Crosby. 6'5", 255, ultra-productive in college, um, measured really well. He ran a 4.6 at the Combine. I actually think he's going to get more sacks than Cleveland Farrell. Um, so well, I think of the of- – Small school pass rushers have a long history of being successful too just because they – because pass rushing is still a specialty position. You know, you don't yep. – you can't be a specialty cornerback. You can't be a specialty safety or guard or whatever. But like – you can play 24 snaps, and if you can get to the quarterback, you have a place in the league. And so I think, I, yeah, I could see that working out. Exactly. Well, Pipe, we have wandered to and fro throughout this uh, NFL draft podcast, man. This has gone quickly, and, uh, and I've enjoyed it. So any, any parting shots before we go? Um, well, there's still, I mean, there's, there's a lot of other NFL news we never got to, like, I don't know, the Jets' new uniforms, for example. I feel like we're going to have to Dude, do another sports Yes, we've got to talk about that. Let's yeah, do we, another one soon. Let's yes. talk about NFL uniform changes. Let's talk NBA playoffs, and let's talk uh, a little bit of baseball because yes. I've been I've been enjoying the because early season. Mariners. Both of our teams have gotten off to incredibly hot starts, and I think at the time of this recording, lead their respective divisions, which was unexpected for both of us. So yes, we need to Dude, talk some baseball. Dude, it's been super fun, and I've got a whole batch of like new favorite Mariners that I want to talk about. So uh, yes. so yeah, we'll do another one of these next week. Uh, We have wandered to and fro throughout this NFL Draft podcast. And until next time, rock your sin. The Happy Rant is brought to you by Resonate Recordings. If you go to ResonateRecordings.com, you can see the full range of services they offer. So if you're considering starting a podcast, they are the ones we recommend going with. 
Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see their prices, to connect with them and ask any questions, and to see what they can do to help you launch, edit, master, and improve your podcast. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see what they can do to help you launch and improve your podcast. I'm Don Hawkins, and I once heard Chick-fil-A founder Truett Cathy say, you can tell if a person needs encouragement, check to see if they're breathing. I'd like to invite you to my weekly podcast, Encouragement for You, featuring encouraging guests like Dr. Greg and Aaron Smalley, Dan Cathy, the late Dr. Frank Menrith, Josh McDowell, and more. To subscribe to my weekly Encouragement for You podcast, go to lifeaudio.com. That's lifeaudio.com.